Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Just to recap, I really sense that, as I said, things are speeding up. We're in a season of advancement. I really believe God's going to begin to move and do some great things. More so now, because you know what I realize? That God moves a lot of the times when we're available. He's waiting on us. <laughs> we're often not waiting on Him. Uh, and that's why I feel like we're available now. I feel like God can do things. Because when God does things, it's always to do with people coming together. When God heals, it's to do with people coming together. When God speaks to people, it's to do with people coming together. You can, how can someone speak to you if you're not with them? How can someone pray for you if you're not with them? So it's, God moves when the church begins to meet in special ways. Um, and so last week I, I spoke about just bringing it back to basics because I feel like I need the reminder and I feel like we all need the reminder of what, how does God move and when does he move? Well, he moves through a few basic things and, and forms and ways of doing things. And the first one we talked about is by attending. If you're not showing up, whether it be in a quiet time or before other people in a community of faith, then that's God's vehicle of movement a lot of the time and how he speaks or through his words. So if we're not attending, we're not showing up, you've minimized God's ability to do something in your life. Uh, if we don't follow God's ways, meaning what we do know and how God has called us to live, then sometimes I hear people and they're praying and I just wish God would speak to me, but they ignore all the things that God's already spoken. And God's already said, and God says, do not neglect the meeting together of the brethren if you want to be really religious, really Christian. And so uh, somebody wants God to move in their life, but they won't meet with other people or spend time or prioritize God's people and God's way of doing things. And so therefore, it's a bit confusing. But, but I always remember this statement that someone told me or I heard preached. If we, if we work on doing what we do know, if we follow God's way, he will lead us to his will. Let's focus on what we do know. If God's called us to pray, let's pray. If God's called us to get into his word, let's get into his word. If God's called us to be a part of the church and start to exercise our gifts, let's do that and you'll be surprised what God puts in your heart. You'll be surprised what God resurrects in your life. You'll be surprised how excited you could get for the things of God. But if we're just going to sit on a pew and hope that God's going to do incredible miracles, He's going to give us visions for our life, it's, it's not going to happen. He, God moves when we're actively moving. Actually, God recovers you when you're active too. You ever heard of that saying about active recovery? You know, you're trying to get over something. I've been looking into hip resurfacing operations. And they actually say now with modern technology and all that stuff that when you, they open you up, pull your hip out, do the operation, and then one day, within hours, you're on your feet moving. And they will actually literally want you out of the hospital in 24 hours, not because they're busy, because it's better for you active recovery. So God wants his people active and moving. So we attend, follow God's way, take the test. Sometimes in your life, there, there's crossroads and, and you can go with faith or you can go with fear. You can do your way or you can do God's way. And often that can look like a test. 
And if you do it your way, often you can learn a good lesson from that, that your way doesn't work. And you do it God's way, he can show himself faithful. But either way, take the test. Give it your best shot. And then if things don't work out, use failure as a way to form you. Because that's how often we learn. So today I want to talk to you about it's a way of life. I want to look at one thing that, that we see in Jesus' life, which is in one way is peculiar. In one way is, it seems a bit weird. But it actually might be the secret sauce that you need to, to stay healthy, to see greater things happen. Because, listen, a lot of times in church, especially me as a person, I'm trying to activate people. Because let's be honest, a lot of times we're, we, we're more comfortable in just doing nothing and just kind of receiving and just eating. <laughs> Anyone like to eat? Just all the time. I remember going to Ross's running group. I'll put hands together for Ross's running group. Some of you don't know what that is, but uh, it's where Ross inflicts pain on people and he enjoys it. But anyhow, I was out there running one, one Saturday and I didn't even finish the course because it's that hard. Um, but I was talking to Esther, at, you know, while everyone else was running, Al's impressing everyone way at the front. And... Uh, I'm, with, I'm running with Esther. And she's like, Phil, I don't even enjoy this. <laughs> I'm only doing this for what I can eat later. <laughs> the only reason I'm running is to eat. <laughs> and so there, there's two sides. There's, there's a tension. This is good for me, but I don't always love it, but it's still good for me. And there's a reward at the end. And at the same time, when it t- we come to spirituality or emotional health, the same process often happens. Sometimes the reason some of us haven't got freedom in our soul is because we don't want to deal with the stuff that hurts. And so there's no reward. It's just pain building up, and then it, it comes out in all kinds of different ways and fashions. And so, t- you know what, life, there's just pain involved. It's a part of the process. And if we face it, we can actually overcome. Can I get an amen? And so it's a way of life. So I want to look at Jesus' life and what we learn. See, some, some of you in here, you might identify as a Christian. Some of you might not. But you identify as a Christian. You might even go to, to church weekly or regularly. Um, but you've realized that you're not really a follower of Jesus. Even though you show up and attend and even identify And you're realizing in your heart that you want to maybe take it more seriously. The problem with it is transformation is possible, but it's not inevitable. It's not promised. It is possible, but it's not inevitable. There is no, what's this? There is no accidental saints. There's no accidental followers of Christ. When Jesus called people, they had to give something up, which was probably painful at that point in time. They had to lay down their life. See, God wants us transformed and not to conform to the pattern of the world. But it's intentional. So here's a few things that stop us from a deep relationship with God. One which causes us to become transformed. 
become more like Christ. And listen, when you become more like Christ, sometimes I used to get the picture it was become boring. You just become rigid. That's not the picture that we see within the Scriptures. It's, it's exciting. There's ups and there's downs, but it's, it's certainly not a boring life. You're seeing miracles. You're seeing God do incredible things in your life. You've got a story to tell. It's not safe. It's more like a movie than a monument. And so the first thing is we tolerate emotional immaturity. This works against us becoming followers of Christ, actually going further in our faith. Because often sometimes we look at emotional immaturity and we think it's disconnected from spiritual maturity. This has been a problem in the church for a while. Uh, well, what do you mean, Phil? Here's a few practical examples. You could, I could be a gifted speaker for God in public and be sorry, a detached spouse or an angry parent at home or even a mad employee. So I could come here and perform well, but behind the scenes I've got anger issues. Behind the scenes... I struggle with patience behind the scenes. I'm a bit toxic. So what's happened there is I've valued spiritual maturity over emotional maturity when really a lot of the times they intercross and become the same thing. You can function as leader and yet be unteachable, insecure, and defensive. What's happened there is someone has been good in the public, but behind the scenes they're underdeveloped. You can quote the Bible with ease and still be aware, unaware of your short fuse. So you, you, you got the scriptures in your head and you know how to act in front of other Christians. But the people who really know you know that there's some weaknesses, there's some things you don't see in yourself that need fixed. You can lead people for God when in reality your motive is impure. So you can do godly things on the outside but if you're to search your heart, your motive is maybe to get a false, a false love, attention. How many times have we seen even the last while leaders who have fallen? Why? Because their inner life didn't match their outer life. You can serve tirelessly and just become resentful. Listen, this is the balance because we want people to serve. But what's this? You can serve tirelessly and just become resentful because there's little time to look after yourself. And so we're going to look at what Jesus done in regards to this. See, we end up emphasizing doing good over being with God who is good. So here's a little picture. Is what, now listen, this is a, a, obviously like a pendulum or a weight. You can see over in this particular situation, this person is doing way more than they're being with God. If you're being honest with yourself, which is really where this all begins, some of you might be the other way. You're being with God, but you're not doing very much. And then some of you might have no ways at all, where you're just like sitting there, you're just listening, but there's, there's no doing and there's no being. And so there's no weight or value to what you're offering and what God has given you, there's nothing active. And so you, you obviously, by being honest with yourself, will figure that out as you pray, as you ask other people, as you get into community. But it's definitely good to consider. It's definitely good to think about. It's definitely good if we're really serious about following Jesus, this matters. 
There's a story in the Bible, uh, some of you know it, Mary and Martha, these two women, and Jesus was in their presence. One of them, Martha, decides to serve, to do good works, to, to get the kitchen ready, to try and provide. And these are all good things. But then Mary decided to sit at the feet of Jesus and to be in his presence and to spend time with him. And so here it says here in Luke 10 and 39, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answers to this is Jesus. You're worried, that's not good, and upset about many things. So because she's serving or overworking or not looking after herself, she's now upset. She's worried. It's actually not producing good fruit. But few things are needed. It's nearly as if Jesus was saying, simplify your life. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. You know, I think it's a lot like us in life. Often the areas that sting you the most, that hurt you the most, that you haven't dealt with the most are the areas that you don't want to sit down and talk about. It's easier to stay busy. Can, can I get an amen to that? It's easier sometimes to ignore and just... Oh, I find it hard sometimes to just stop and have awkward conversations. It drains me. On the front end, but afterwards I feel better. It's as if it cleans the slate. But when I do things my own way, I'm like Martha. I'm going around busy, but I'm carrying weight. I'm carrying burden. And, and I think maybe I've started to realize over time that I can do more in a moment with God than I can do in years by myself. See, God's presence is our priority. That's what we've been talking about, how we need people to understand if we're going to move forward as a church, that how we move the church forward is not going to be through works. It's going to be through people understanding and spending time with God at His feet. It certainly includes work. That's a massive part. But it's going to be no use if we keep working people to a point where they can't go on any longer and they burn out and dear knows where they end up after that. We have to find, we, we have to help people, I have to try and help people find their life source, which is God's presence, where his power is, where his promises are. It's central. It's a central theme in Jesus' life and it's a central theme in the follower of Christ's life. Just, you know, what, what did we do with Heart for the House just, just last week? The central theme was go to God. Get in His presence. Ask Him. And learn to obey Him. And, and for doing that, there's probably a lot of people maybe said, well, I don't know how to do that, so I'll just opt out. That's okay. That's probably good. Because we never want to miss that step. Because that's the most important. That's the first step. And we actually were able to raise over £7,000 towards our heart for the house this year. So far. Come on, put our hands together for what God... And, and listen. That was not under compulsion. That was us asking people to ask God. So God, people have been obedient to what God has put in their heart. That's good news for a local church. That's good news for the body of Christ. That means people are seeking God. 
and, go, and, and beginning to obey Him. And some people with great amounts. And that's, that, that does my heart good. It doesn't matter whether it was five pounds or ten pounds or whatever, or thousands. Obedience is what moves the church forward. Obedience is what moves you forward. See, it's the grace, I love this, the grace of God keeps us, meaning when we mess up, when we sin, when, we, when our brokenness gets in our way, God's grace has paid the price for all of that. It keeps us in relationship with Him. It allows us to come to church and let our shame go to the cross time and time again. He lets us off the hook because of the cross. Why? So that we can learn to obey Him and realize His ways are better. Because it's obedience that moves us forward. It's a, a people that obey God that moves the church forward. And we see God, the kingdom of God come. Let's look at this. Matthew 3 and 16 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So this is Jesus beginning to start his ministry. Now watch what the next thing he... What next, the next thing that happens in chapter 4, this is the end of chapter 3. The, the next thing that happens is this. Matthew 4, verses 1 and 2, the very beginning. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The very next thing. So I'm pleased with you. I love you. I like what I see. I accept you. You're approved of. Now I'm leading you into the wilderness to be tempted. <laughs> God's leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. That sounds negative. That sounds bad. Why would you do that, God? Why would you do this to Jesus? Surely he's got to go on and do good, good works and help other people. Why are you sending him into a bad situation? After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and then we went on to see Jesus being tested three times. And the three main topics were about provision, turn the stone into bread. It was about popularity, kingdoms of the earth, I'll give you. And it was about power. And that's where we're tempted to. The problem is sometimes we don't go to God with our temptation, with our issues, with our idols, with our problems, and therefore, those temptations are still underlying in our soul, directing our steps, direct, directing our actions even subconsciously. But what, what God knew that Jesus needed was to go and deal with those demons, to deal with those temptations, to deal with those things. And when he dealt with them, he would overcome them. When he faced them, he could beat the giants by the Spirit of God. And so I wonder if God is leading you there's some things you've been ignoring in your life. And if you would deal with them with God in His presence, you would end up like Jesus, dealing with them and receiving what God would have for you. So watch this. The word eremos, which is the word for wilderness, can also mean desert place, desolate place, solitary place, lonely place, quiet place, or wilderness. Jesus had a strong relationship with Aramis. That's the original language in Greek. 
See, the desert place wasn't a place that we shouldn't go. It's a place that we need to go. It's not a place to be avoided because there's nothing there. It's a place where Jesus found everything that he needed and more. It's where he found a healthy filter for life, where he found emotional maturity. It's where he found, because think about it, Jesus was the son of God, but he was tempted, meaning there was part of his human body that wanted to do something which opposed God. He wanted to go his own way and take shortcuts, but he realized I need to to allow the power of God, the spirit of God to have operation in my life or I'll mess this up because he was fully man and fully God. See, the the wilderness is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strengthening. It's a place of strengthening. This is where Jesus drew strength to face the powers of darkness. That's how serious the desert place was. It wasn't a place just if you're bored. It wasn't a place... to take lightly. It wasn't a place that when you look on the surface, it looks meaningless. It was a place of ultimate value. It was the first thing Jesus done after he was baptized. Why? Because the Spirit led him there. So if the Spirit led Jesus there, you can't tell me he doesn't want you to go there too. When we look at Jesus' ministry and we watch what he'd done throughout his time on earth, we're following Jesus. We, we call ourselves followers of Jesus, many Christians. Christ-like. Well, this is what Jesus would have done. In a situation that he found himself in, says in Mark 1 and 35, very, very early in the morning while it was still dark. So Jesus had an alarm clock. Jesus got up early. Jesus sacrificed the snooze button, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. (laughs) And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. You're needed. More work. More to-dos. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So what you're telling me is, in this scripture, is that Jesus spent time in prayer in the desert, in the solitary place where there was nothing going on to get something, to find something that would end up releasing the power to release demons in people's lives and give him the passion to speak and people would get saved and people would get healed. So intimacy in God in private can lead to power in public. But I tell you what's a terrible place to be where you're trying to be powerful in public but you don't have any intimacy with God in private. Because what then happens is you start to fake it. You start running on empty. You're starting... You're on, on the, the fuel gauge is on red and you're trying to just make it happen. It's an awful place to be. And here's the worst part is people know it. People can sense it. Have you ever been in someone's presence and you just know there's just 
I'm attracted to be around this person. They've got a grace on their life. They're not in a rush. But when they speak, I'm listening. They've got wisdom. They've got knowledge. You just know they're prayerful people that, that they can move mountains in my mentality and in my, my mindset. But ultimately, it's because you know they're, they're intimate with God. You know they're connected to God, and so you're nearly expecting, what are you going to say next? Like, tell me something. Speak into my life because I trust you. People know. Even Luke 5 and 16, it says, Yet the news about him spread, Jesus, all the more. So the crowds of people came near or to hear him, and he healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus, watch this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. But why? Why? There's more work to be, to be done, Jesus. Why would you not? There's opportunity to reach people. Why would you not just go to the people? Why? Because he realized his priority was like Mary. It was lying at the feet of Jesus. He realized that my power is found in the place of prayer. My, my power, my true power that gets work done, that goes beyond my natural abilities, is found in God's presence, in solitude, where there's no one around, where there's no voices of the crowd to distract me, where there's no work to be done. There's something about solitude. There's something about the quiet places. There's something about, listen, maybe we need to turn our lonely places into places of solitude. Because, listen, you might feel lonely, but you're never alone. If you could just begin to acknowledge that, that God is there with you, he, he might actually begin to speak like you've never heard him before. And not just speak, but to give you power, to give you anointing, to give you the ability to see things you can't see by yourself. See, Jesus was busy. He was wanted. He was under pressure. But he made it a priority to get into his Father's presence. So what is a quiet time? Maybe if you've been in church for a while, you've heard the word quiet time. Some of you not. Really, a quiet time is a place to decompress. To take all the weight that you've been carrying and to let it out. To face a place to face your current reality, to be honest, to allow yourself to feel all of your human emotions. If you're sad, if you're angry, there's scriptures all throughout the Bible where we see even in, in the Psalms where David is angry, he's lonely, he's mad, he's rejected. And what does he do? He speaks it out, he writes it out. He gets into a place of confinement where there's no distraction and deals with God whether he's happy, he's sad, or he's in between. And then he invites God into the equation, into his emotions. And we see in, in times where Jesus will say, or sorry, Jesus, um, David will say he encouraged himself in the Lord. He begins to preach to himself the word of God. Why? To realign his emotions, to realign his thought patterns, to to allow the presence of God to enter into the empty spaces in his soul. And then we find a place of freedom. You think about we're about to start the freedom course in February next year. And we have people queuing up to go. With people like, I'm not missing this one. I've heard so many what? Testimonies of what? Power. Life change. Where people didn't have freedom. Where people were held captive. Demons. Whatever you want to call it. Emotional immaturity, 
All of that stuff. Why? Because it was never faced. Like Goliath was faced. We, we sing about the victory all day long. We have the victory in Jesus. But if we don't face our giants, how can you fight? And so with the Freedom Course, really what we do is we, we get the Scripture out. We invite the Holy Spirit in. It's nothing weird. But we see God move powerfully in people's lives. Why? Because they face their giants, they overcome their giants, and then they find a place of freedom in their soul. And because they have a place of freedom now, they're now free to help others. They're free to receive the power of God, to activate the gifts that God has given them. And now we have people saying, I want to help this year. I want to do it again. Why? Because it transformed them. They're never the same. I want to finish here. We see this scripture at the very beginning of time. Uh, the Garden of Eden, we see how, actually read it out here. Genesis 2 and 2, it says, But the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. We see what we call today a Sabbath, a day of rest. It then goes on to say, in the Ten Commandments that remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The, the word Sabbath means Shabbat, which is a Hebrew word which simply means to stop, to halt, to stop worrying, to stop wanting, to stop working, to stop scrolling, just to stop. Some of you right now need to stop. And not just I don't mean stop all the time. I don't mean go quit your jobs. I mean, there's a rhythm, there's a way that, that Jesus walked that was established even before Jesus was here. And it, it was to, to work six days and to stop for one. To allow your thoughts, your emotions to come up, rise to the surface, and to go face to face with God, face to face with your weights and your burdens, and to then hand them over. If you're not doing that, you will burn out. You'll end up low on faith, discouraged, emotionally immature. You won't develop your emotional maturity. And a big thing with emotional maturity, I, I believe with developing that is when you know that, like when Jesus was baptized and he came and he said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, when you spend time in the quiet place before God and you hear God telling you time and time again and reminding you, you're my son, you're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased and that's your foundation and you hear that regularly in your quiet time, in your solitude, guess what happens when someone gives you feedback on maybe something you're not getting quite right or you're maybe a wee bit snappy? You don't react the same because I'm loved. My foundation is set. I've reminded, I've remembered myself through, through Sabbaths, through daily quiet time, that, oh, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're developing me. I thank you that I'm following you and I'm on a journey and every failure is a, a, a moment of formation. And, and because someone gives me feedback, I don't have to throw my toys out of the pram because my foundation is already complete. But if you're not stopping, if you're not spending time with God, 
you'll run on empty. And you probably won't emotionally grow in a lot of ways. It's not disconnected from spirituality. We don't want a bunch of fake Christians in the room where, where you're, you're nice on a Sunday and then you go out on a Monday or you go home and you can't look after your emotions. You can't control your temper. Listen, it's okay if you're there, but let's not stay there. Are you with me? Don't be nudging anyone. I'll show you this for you. This is definitely your message. I'll actually take notes for you. <laughs> and I'll send you them later. <laughs> You're here for yourself, okay? That's the first part of emotional immaturity. God wants you to grow, not the person beside you. That's their decision. Can I get an amen? And so what we see with Jesus is he would go, he would do ministry, he would do life, he, he would get busy, and then he would leave and he would stop. And he would go, and he would serve in the kids, and he would serve upstairs with all the chaos. Do you hear them? Pray for Johnny. Johnny, we just pray in Jesus' name that you can make it, and you stop after this for a period of time and fill yourself back up. But he went, and then Johnny's going to take a rest for a few days probably. <laughs> Go out on his bike. And so we serve, and then we stop. We serve, and then we stop. We serve, and that's how we build the kingdom. That's how we build our families. That's how we build our relationships. We serve, and we stop. And our foundation is that God loves us and we are his sons and we are his daughters. And as we have that foundation, when people give us feedback, we, we can start to be honest about, right, I didn't react well there. I need to deal with some stuff. I need to ask some people around me because I'm now humble. I'm submitted under God's way. I'm not trying to live as my own boss. He's the boss. And I trust him. He's a good father. He's for me. He's going to move me forward. And we see God do great things through our life, but it, it doesn't look like living our own way. It looks like following Him and following His rhythms in a way of life. And so that's why when you get saved, we give you a Bible. We give you a, a, a quiet time. It's actually called a quiet time guide. It's in the little boxes at the back. If you want one, they're out in the foyer. And it, it literally, one, one of the statements, and it says, give God your heart. Give God the emotions of your heart, of the emotions of your mind, the feelings that you have. Why? It's not that you're led by those things. It's that they matter. They're a part of you. So I guess if I was to sum it all up into just one statement, you know, it's a way of life. But what is a way of life? God's presence is our priority. Before we do anything, before we try to be a parent, do our jobs, be a friend, be a spouse, whatever it is, if we can prioritize God's presence in our life, have a desert place, a, a solitude place, a place where we can actually deal with our true self, I'm telling you, be a healthy version of yourself. You'll truly learn to trust God because you can't do it without His power. When you're challenging yourself and asking God, what's next? You can't do that without His presence. You can't, you can't fulfill God's call and His promise for your life without His presence. You just don't have the capacity. What's the point if you could do it naturally? There's more in you. But because you're maybe looking at God through natural eyes, you don't believe you're scared to ask Him. 
But I honestly believe God wants to meet with some people in here today and throughout the week by yourself in a solitary place. You don't need a band. It just needs to be you and silence. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.